0: Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome to "Are You For Real?" I'm Grant, and with me, as always, is Tom.
1: What's up? What's up?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I almost started coughing there. Um, we got a, we got another reverse. Are you for real? We got Tom bringing the facts, but we got me bringing the figures.
1: Well, Point question. That- Grant has the more impressive figure out of both of us, so I, I I feel like that's that's probably the best way to go about it. And I'm bringing some facts. I'm gonna bring them bring them hard and bring them fast. So I like
0: the warranty, f- man. I got some curves going.
1: <laughs> Stuff in my face. I'm pretty I'm pretty lumpy myself, man. But what can <laughs> I do?
0: I look like a wet blanket, as uh, the jerky boys would say.
1: Um, <laughs> But, uh, let's, let's not be too hard on ourselves here. We're we're <laughs> surviving.
0: <laughs> but I got some news for you, Tom. Uh, before we minute. get into the main wait, topic, wait a minute. Like you know what I'm talking about?
1: Are, are, you mean? UFO news?
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, let's see. And of course, I lost the links here. Let me bring it up. But uh, this one was actually uh sent to me by by my parents they saw it in the paper and they're like hey i don't know if you saw this but um it's just a little blurb in the san diego union tribune and uh but i'm pulling up the uh the research i did on it got an article here that we'll link to but uh i'm gonna quote from the paper here um once again that's a san diego union tribune the main newspaper in san diego and uh it says latest sightings UFO hunter Scott Waring discovered what he believes to be the, quote, entrance to an alien base on Earth on May 13 by studying Google Earth. According to the Mirror, Waring said the base doesn't fit in with its surroundings on a small and uninhabited island in Indonesia. And, quote, aliens would love to have a hidden base, end quote, in such a secluded location. Using a Google Earth tool, he measured the opening, which is about 66 feet across. Big enough, he said, to, quote, get a lot of alien ships in there, end quote. One commenter on Waring's YouTube channel praised this finding, quote, my gut tells me this is 100% legit. Good job, man, end quote. And uh so I'm not treating this with too much gravity here. If you If you pull up the article, it does look like a. I don't know how would you describe this, Tom. Uh, I, I know you looked at it. I sent it to you before we started recording. Here, it looks kind of like an angry mouth, or um...
1: it does. It looks, um, it looks almost like an angry stop sign, but it's green when he does the contrast on it and everything. It, it's a. I, I'm almost certain it's just like a photo blip or like a photo. <laughs> what do you Like a stretch. It looks like a stretched out photo, like when you do. When you accidentally do a panoramic thing on your on your cell phone camera or your mobile phone camera, when you accidentally do a panorama and then it stretches out everything, it just looks like an object that's been stretched out accidentally by whatever this satellite photo is.
0: Yeah, that was my first thought on it, too. I mean, I don't know a lot of people in because I, you know, I went to the YouTube link. There's a video embedded in the article that we're going to have uh, the posted on our uh uh, come on, put a thought together, Grant. Um, <laughs> you know, we're gonna post a link to it, but and it, it's got a video embedded in there, a short video where the guy excitedly is pointing it out. But uh, it does. That was my first thought: is it looks like maybe even like a time lapse photo where there's like a drop of water on there or something to do with all the different lenses I'm sure they use in those cameras. Um, I don't know, but I think it is actually like a common error that occurs on on uh, Google google earth as some of the commenters were saying on the video so it does look creepy
1: it does i gotta say it looks it looks pretty neat but i think it's easily explainable and it's well not bloody likely to be a an alien base i'm afraid
0: right a lot of uh people were pointing out too even though he says it's uninhabited it looks like it's right next to some kind of a plantation or something (laughs) there are there are quite a few buildings well i I guess
1: it could be verifiable unless it uh at one point he talks about cloaking technology. Uh so maybe um, maybe the base is cloaked and we'll just never know. But uh if there's any if you know we any of our thousands and thousands of listeners in Indonesia want to go check it out and get back to us, uh, please feel free. Uh thank you.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I hate to be overly skeptical here, but uh
1: hey man. I will never apologize for being skeptical. I uh I, I consider myself an open-minded fellow, but uh, when I see something that uh, looks like there's a pretty obvious explanation for, I tend to go for that.
0: Yeah, and I got to say, he's he's jumping to some pretty fantastic conclusions by seeing this thing on Google Earth, you
1: know? Right, right. And, I, you know, like I have... <laughs> I'm pretty sure we could replicate that if I had the energy or the will uh just by um using this one little app I have on my phone called uh god what is it let me look at it here real quick I think it's called Individual Face it's just this silly little app where you can stretch things out and make your face look all spooky and hilarious and yeah So that's <laughs> nice. a, that's that's my you know I I I admire his Uh, determination to scour all of google earth looking for (laughs) anomalies he has apparently found one in indonesia but um i just don't see the alien base uh that he sees
0: there's another one off the coast of i want to say uh man I don't wanna get it wrong, but I think it was off the coast of Australia maybe at where people have found on Google Earth that it looks like an underwater like entrance or something, like with like cool. two columns and a, a thing going over it. I'll I'll have to you know, it kind of looks like a cave vaguely, but again, it's <laughs> yeah, it's hard to cool. I, mean,
1: you gotta look I like for some other to- – Hey, I like things that look cool. (laughs) And and to be to be honest, this this Indonesia picture looks pretty cool. If you want to look at it, it looks more like a Sarlacc pit monster from uh, Return of the Jedi. Uh,
0: That was the first thing I thought too. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's interesting.
1: Don't sue us, us, Disney, for mentioning that. Um,
0: (laughs) If you want to take a look at it here, but um, all right, yeah. What what do you got for us today here, Tom?
1: All right, I guess I'll take it away. Um. Excuse me, um, and once again, guys, thank you for listening uh, and bearing with us during the the, the COVID thing. Because as you can probably tell, we're still doing this over Skype. Um, so I apologize if my voice sounds a bit wonky or Grant's voice sounds a bit wonky. Uh, you know, once this is all over with, Grant and I will be recording in the same space in the same room, and uh, we will be uh using mics that uh that sound awesome as opposed to having to do this over the internet so thanks for sticking with us um yeah it's
0: always awkward talking on these things too you know um yeah i wanted to apologize for uh obviously we've we've been saying that our schedules are all turned around and everything and we're still adapting to that so we kind of missed out last week here so sorry for dropping the ball for you guys
1: but um yes yes thank you for being patient um I might be having some uh job changes coming up as well, so as always, we'll keep you posted. but in any event, our subject this week oh, is... wait,
0: let me let me cut you off one more time here, Tom because sure. I did find that uh the truth and it it wasn't Australia that was my other guess would be around Florida or whatever or I, no I guess this is Hawaii. anyway the truth behind the Malibu underwater alien base and um off Malibu? Malibu
1: that's California.
0: Is that California? Okay. Yeah, um, yeah and there's an interesting tra- that's picture That's where Tony
1: out there. Stark
0: lives. Oh, okay. I should have known. Tony on, Stark. That's yeah. Iron Man. Yeah. All
1: right. The Iron Man. Okay.
0: I'm not. I'm not too well versed in the uh, Marvel universe or the DC well,
1: universe. Well, guess what? It's going to be uh, required watching for our children, um, if Disney has anything to say about it.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you've been watching a lot on Disney Plus, or what?
1: I have, man. And i got to say, I, I'm loving the Disney Plus. Uh, yeah. It, it, they have all sorts of great stuff. And it's a, it's a trip how uh, certain things have aged very well, and certain things haven't aged very well. Uh, right. <laughs> so there's some movies I used to watch as a kid that are – either like completely heartbreaking and like (laughs) make me super depressed as an adult. And, uh, there's other ones I watched as a kid that are like, Oh man, this is still holds up wonderfully.
0: But, um, well, um, I'll I'll put a link to this article too. If you guys want to check out the picture, it is pretty interesting looking, but, um, apparently, uh, Huff post says there's a, they got the truth behind it. So I haven't researched it or anything, but anyway, please continue Tom. I'm sorry.
1: No problemo. Um. Okay. So, what we got this week, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dogs and cats, is the Gulf Breeze UFO Mania, straight out of yeah. Gulf Breeze, Florida. Uh, this is a fairly famous uh, event that took place over several months and involved um, a few hundred people in Gulf Breeze, Florida. Um.
0: Yeah, I was telling you. I, I mean, I mean, obviously, if you're into UFOs, you probably heard of Gulf Breeze, you know. And um, yeah. so, I but I don't know any details about it. So I'm excited to to learn about it here.
1: Yeah, and um, once again, there are uh, two separate segments about this that aired on, you guessed it, Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, but these episodes are not available on the Filmrise Productions that are available on Amazon prime. Uh, the Gulf breeze episodes were not included on that, uh, for, um, on the Amazon prime ones for one reason or another, it could be a copyright issue. It could be, um, Deep the- state. <laughs> could be that, uh, they don't have, uh, the confidence in the story that they once had. But anyway, uh, if you guys are interested, and seeing the episodes, I can't give you direct links to them, but I can kind of point you in the dire- in the right direction of where you can find them. Um, and there are some Facebook groups that I might be able to point you to that might have such episodes. Uh-huh. Uh, so if you want to reach out to us at our UFO real podcast at gmail.com uh, or hit us up on Instagram or Facebook. Um, I might be able to point you in the right direction where you can find these episodes. So um, let's get started here. Um, And I am getting – this is – I found this to be a very good synopsis of it. I found several synopses, um, and I've made a few slight alterations. But for the most part, this is from the Unsolved Mysteries fandom uh, about the Gulf Breeze UFO. Um, so, uh, it all started out in November of 1987 in the city of Gulf Breeze, Florida, which um, which I'm led to believe is in the northwest part of Florida and is in one of the wealthier regions of Florida. Uh, in okay. November of 1987, Gulf Breeze was inund- inundated with dozens of UFO sightings. Over 100 people witnessed more than 80 separate sightings of unidentified objects in the skies over Gulf Breeze. The sightings began on the night of November 11th, 1987, when Gulf Breeze resident Ed Walters noticed a strange light in the sky outside of his home. When he went outside to get a better look, he noticed a large glowing object hovering a few hundred feet away. The object made no sound. With his Polaroid camera, he took five photographs. And once again, this is one of those instances where you're going to want to see the pictures for yourselves. And uh, we will have links in the show notes for you to take a gander at these photos um, so you can see which ones we're specifically referring to. Or if you um, would like, you can just Google them. Just Google Go- Gulf Breeze UFO. And uh, there's a plethora. Um so the, yeah, the, the pictures
0: are on the um, the. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to hold it up here. The unsolved mystery synopsis, or uh,
1: there's some on there, but there are also um, a lot of pictures in different synopses that I'm also going to be including in the in the show notes that I'm going to be referencing in this. Okay. Um, so yeah, this guy Ed Walters um, claims to have noticed. and uh he took five photographs actually on the first time with his polaroid camera and he made the photographs public and once those photographs became public other residents began reporting seeing a similar object in the night sky five days after his sighting uh, ed brought the photos to the attention of duane cook Not to be confused with comedian Dane Cook, but (laughs) Dwayne Cook, editor for the Gulf Breeze Sentinel. Dwayne was uncertain about about publishing the photos, as he felt that the story was not well suited for the newspaper. Uh, I guess newspapers at this time were a little bit scrupulous about what they decided (laughs) to publish. Um, However, when Dwayne Cook's parents came to visit, he showed them the photos of the UFOs. The parents were shocked as they claimed to have seen the same object, claimed to have seen the same object a few days earlier. And after the photos were published on November 19th, 1987, reports of UFOs increased throughout the town. And during the following six months, 135 people reported 80 different sightings. And here's just a little synopsis of some of the people that are featured in the first Unsolved Mysteries segment about the gulf breeze ufos Uh, there's a chemical engineer named art hufford who believed that ed walters photos were quote without a doubt photographs of a ufo that art hufford saw Mm, no doubt without a doubt that's what he said Uh, pathologist dr fenner mcconnell described an object he saw as medium large and about the size of an airplane Doris Summerby claimed to have seen a porthole on an object with a light coming from it. Scott Zepp mentioned that the object made no sound and was moving at about five miles per hour. So um, that's extremely slow for any of you people who have no uh, idea how to measure speed or anything. That's about... (laughs) walking pace of a human being
0: (laughs) right right how did he Um, measure that was is he a cop or something some kind of cop
1: no scott zepp in the video looked to be about 17 year old 17 years old mustache heavily mulleted at the time in the in the late 80s uh so he was just using his um i guess common sense uh city down florida yeah <laughs> uh, with that. uh no, city Councilwoman brenda pollack described seeing a bright yellow orange light in the distance at one point point. and a man named jeffrey thompson claimed that, that an object flew straight into the air then stayed still at an angle for about 45 seconds to a minute now, from November of 87 to May of 1988, Ed took 37 clear, high-quality photographs of UFOs. Due to the quality, many people became skeptical. However, Ed claimed that the photographs and his sightings were genuine, along with the other witnesses. And that's, you know, as an aside, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm departing from the article slightly here. That's one of the reasons why this um, intrigued me. I always kind of... Tend to gravitate towards stories that have photographic evidence and/or many witnesses, and this one has both. There's photographic evidence, right. which some people dispute, as we'll get into in a little bit. Um, but there are hundreds of people who saw stuff, uh, or who have claimed to have seen stuff around Gulf Breeze in the late '80s. Right. Um, okay. On December third, uh, I'm assuming it's still 1987. Uh, the Sentinel, the Gulf Breeze Sentinel received two anonymous photographs of an object. And on December 23rd, the photo received more photograph photographs. This time the photos showed more than one object in the frame at the same time. The day after those photographs were allegedly taken, Ed also took photographs of multiple objects in the sky. On December 28th, he captured the objects on videotape. In another photograph taken on December 2nd, Ed captured an object with a beam of light coming from it and hitting the ground. The light was also observed by five other witnesses. Now, oh,
0: Have you seen any of those videos or anything?
1: I have. The videos are um, taken in a late 80s camcorder. It's impossible to tell what they are. There's no... Um, It's at night. There's no buildings for a frame of reference. It's impossible to tell if there's trees. Um, And it just looks like just kind of lights zipping around. So the video is less than convincing to me. And I know the the article kind of takes that I'm reading right now takes the tone um, that. Ed, it's basically from ed's point of view obviously like ed is claiming that he took these pictures of these things and he's claiming uh what he witnessed but there are certain people who disagree with him as we will get to uh in a little while um ed's closest encounter occurred on january 12 1988 he was driving along a deserted road about five miles from home when he encountered a bright light the light was so bright that he drove off the road to avoid it. He took another photograph of the object, which was in front of his truck and close to the road. So there's um, uh, that, this is one of the most famous pictures that he took. Um, and I don't know if it makes it clear in this article, but in the Unsolved Mysteries segment, it seems, it, it seems like uh, he had a Polaroid, like an early version of a Polaroid. Um, not the kind that would take a picture and just spit it out, but a kind you would take a picture of, and then you would open up the Polaroid. At least that's how it's depicted in the, in the article. Um, okay. yeah. So, uh, in this picture where he sees the object, so supposedly sees the object in the road, uh, you can see the hood of his truck and you see what looks like an object in front of him up the road a ways. And the object appears to be illuminating the road underneath it.
0: Oh, wow. What does the object look like?
1: Um, it looks like, um, God, how would I describe it? It looks um, kind of like a hubcap, I guess you could say, um, but, but not. Uh, there's a picture. You'll have to look at the pictures for yourself. Uh, it looks, I guess you could say, like a like two saucers on top of each other, but there, there are what look like portholes, uh, surrounding it, uh, that have light coming out of them. And there looks okay. to be some kind of light source on the bottom as well. Hmm. Um, and Ed's final reported sighting in Gulf breeze took place in July of 1988. Um, I don't know if that's actually correct or not. Um, Just bear with me for a second on that. Um, And a lot of people in the area speculated – well, I mean, obviously people are wondering, uh, news reporters are wondering why there's all these sightings coming from Gulf Breeze. And just the general public is wondering why there's uh, all these objects that people are claiming to see in the Gulf Breeze area. And, um, a lot of unnamed skeptics speculated that it had to do with something with a nearby military base. Uh, there's a couple military bases in the area. And I think um Pensacola is uh is, isn't that where the, the like uh, there's like a NASA Cape Canaveral is in Florida, right? And yeah, and, I think so. It?
0: Pensacola. Isn't that, isn't that what she keeps saying in, in, con, in the movie Contact? Like, Pensacola.
1: <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in so long, but thank you for reminding me about that. I don't know. Um, so, naturally, when people make extraordinary claims, they get asked to explain. So, when asked if the photos were a hoax, Ed Walters Uh, voluntarily took two polygraphs and passed both of those polygraphs. Still, some experts believed that the photographs were faked. The experts pointed out the obvious brightness around the craft and note the lack of reflection on the light poles and trees around the craft. Okay. Also, Also, it appears that the bottom of the craft is unnaturally flat as if resting on a board. However, it hmm. um, should be noted that there are several witnesses besides Ed Walters who are certain that they saw a real object.
0: Is it is it always the same craft in these pictures? or
1: Hard to tell. Um, okay. The first five are definitely of the same craft, if that's what you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And then the other ones get a little bit more um, distorted and the color changes a bit. Um, again, we'll have. Uh, if you want to rip through the show notes, uh, you can see them for yourself right now, Grant, um, and mm-hmm. our listeners. Obviously, if you're not familiar with them, um, actually, you know what, Grant? Maybe you shouldn't, because a lot of the articles will give some stuff away that I don't want to give away yet.
0: Okay, okay. I was going through a couple of them while you were talking and just trying to, to see, but okay. okay, yeah, go ahead.
1: Um, okay, a tele television station in nearby Pensacola attempted to show how a hoax could have been accomplished. Reporter Mark Curtis worked on the case. The two most common theories presented were, the photos were reflections of an object off a pane of glass, or double exposure was used to add the objects to the photos. And they demonstrated in the Unsolved Mysteries segment, the first Unsolved Mysteries segment, uh how you could use a double exposure in the earlier polaroid cameras. Uh, apparently you can't there's no way to double expose in the later polaroid cameras, but the earlier ones you could just put the same piece of film back in there and take another shot.
0: Oh okay. Uh, That's why it's important it was important what kind of polaroid he was using or
1: Yeah, yeah, it was important uh what kind of, of camera. Um a local model maker created a replica of the UFO, and it was photographed reflected in a large piece of glass. The resulting photographs were similar, but not as clear as Ed Walters' photos. More importantly, it took multiple people to recreate the photo. Also, reporter Mark Curtis believed that people would have noticed Ed trying to hoax the photos. Um because apparently the way that Mark Curtis did it, even though he was in an, a rural area, it required a lot of lighting and there was a lot of um, just movement around or that kind of stuff. So he doesn't. He was uh, not sure how Ed Walters could have, if he did in fact, uh, have hoaxed the photos.
0: Right, because people would have seen what he was doing or something? or
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, which I'm not sure I buy, but hey. Uh, That's what this reporter, that's this reporter's opinion, man. Um, Reporter Mark Curtis also tried creating the photos using double exposure. Using a camera identical to Ed's, they photographed the model against black velvet. They then shot the background image over the same frame of film. The problem with this theory was that Ed only took some of the photos using a camera capable of double exposure also in at least two of the photos which um you all will be able to see uh, which i find to be actually kind of compelling uh, the object is partially hidden behind a tree which could not be done using double exposure it actually oh looks, yeah uh, i mean the object does look frankly it does look like a reflection in glass it looks like you have a you're taking a picture of your like you're holding up a lantern and you're taking a picture of a lantern reflected in glass, but right. uh, it does look like the stuff uh, or this object is uh, obscured by trees. Partially sometimes hmm. um, <clears throat> the videotape from Ed was also scrutinized by UFO experts, uh, Bob Eschler, who I believe is uh, he's uh, higher up in MUFON, Uh Bob Eschler, observed the video and determined that it was a flying craft that was not operated by remote control. And when I watched that segment, I don't know how Eschler came to that conclusion, <laughs> maybe because there's no sound and remote control at the time was like, Rang. I mean, drones are still, you know, home drones are still kind of loud, but um, right. also Dr. Bruce Maccabee. Uh, who I think actually worked for the Navy. I think he's someone who is a a Navy or he's a military photographic expert, I guess, uh, determined that the object was 12 feet wide and nine feet tall. Uh, Again, skeptics suggest that the UFOs are actually military aircraft being tested at the nearby Pensacola Naval Air Station. See, I answered my own question. However, however, the military has denied any involvement in the sightings, claiming that they do not have aircraft that match the description of the objects. Um, and say that. Yeah, sure. Um, and so that was basically a summation of the first segment of the unsolved mysteries piece, um, on the Gulf breeze UFOs, which aired in 1988. And in the first episode, um, Ed Walters is actually referred to as Ray because he did not want to be identified at the time Uh, he wanted to remain anonymous
0: okay Um, so there was uh, just to repeat so there was about 80 people that saw this object?
1: no there were 100 let me see Uh, I think the exact number used was during a 6 month period 135 people reported 80 different sightings
0: okay yeah. I, I wonder if they all, all the descriptions matched of this object or what?
1: Um, no, they didn't. And we'll get more into that, uh, because the, the second, uh, Unsolved Mysteries segment, which aired, uh, October 3rd, 1990, roughly two years after, uh, the first segment aired, uh, includes significant updates to the story. Okay. So, um,.
0: I'll bite my tongue and
1: strap in then. All right. Here you go. You ready? So uh, in December of 1988, Ed Walters and his family moved out of their house in Gulf Breeze. Ten months later, the house was purchased by Bob and Sarah Lee Menzer. Um, and it's important to note um, that Bob and Sarah Lee Menzer did not know anything about the UFO history of this house when they purchased it. Um, So they bought it 10 months later, which would be October of 1989. Uh, In March of 1990, Bob Menzer went into the attic of the house to look for a shutoff valve for some water pipes. While searching through the insulation of the attic, he found a model of a UFO at the time bob did not realize the importance of it as he had not heard about the sightings beforehand two months later in june of 1990 a reporter met with the menzers bob and sarah lee menzer and asked them about the sightings he also asked this reporter also asked if they had found anything associated with the ufo's and, with ufo's in the home and at that point bob recalled the model that he had found in the attic they brought the model down to the reporter who took it to the offices of his newspaper. The following meet, week, the story of the model's discovery made headlines in Gulf Breeze. Ed Walters, however, claimed that someone had planted the model in order to discredit him.
0: Well, I was going to say maybe the reporter snuck in there, yeah. planted it, and then he comes yeah. around asking about it, but
1: Um The Pensacola paper showed how the model could be used in a hoax. Reporter Mark Curtis believes that the model is quite similar to the object seen in Ed Walters' photos. Mark Curtis suspects that a similar model was used to make the alleged hoax photos. The model is nine inches across and six inches high. The black portholes are drawn on a strip of drafting paper cut from one of Ed Walters' Discarded house designs. So uh, it's also important to note that Ed Walters was a building contractor uh, by trade. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how they determined that the strip of drafting paper was cut from one of Ed's discarded house designs, but that is the claim being made here.
0: In the- <laughs> All right, it doesn't seem that important. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, well, I it, guess he it, would have the know-how. Or-
1: well, the thing is, if he made that model, I mean.
0: Oh okay, I see. If
1: it's using if it's a model made using his own material, that's kind of damning and it kind of blows the reporter theory out of the water. Right, um, right. According to Ed Walters, however, his plan was made his plan was made. I guess they mean his house design was made in September of 1989, almost 2 years after his initial photographs. Also, the witnesses from the sightings are certain that what they saw was not a model in the sky. Gulf Breeze Mayor Ed Gray believes that the photos were a hoax created that Ed created so that Ed Walters could make money and publicity off of them. Although many became convinced that the photos and sightings were hoaxes, others still believed him. In fact, during a more recent sighting when Ed took new photographs of another object, there were other witnesses with him. This was a bit interesting to me as well. In January of 1989, Ed and his wife were walking in their neighborhood when they noticed a red object in the sky. They returned home and called Dwayne Cook right away, telling him to come quickly. And uh, Ed Walters in the segment talks about he was criticized for not calling people um, when he saw the UFOs previously right get some other eyewitnesses yeah exactly he was criticized for that so this time he decided to go and call people right away uh they returned home and called Dwayne cook telling him to come quickly moments later ed was joined by brenda and buddy pollock along with Dwayne cook and his family they all saw a red object in the sky i should say they all claimed to see a red object in the sky however the object looked much different than the objects previously photoed by ed walters Mm. after the object disappeared brenda took a time exposure photograph of the sky the object appeared as one as a long string of colors so that's a, that's a confusing sentence to me and i feel like i need to clarify it because i didn't write it uh, <laughs> it says after the object disappeared brenda took a time exposure photograph of the sky the object appeared as a long string of colors so i guess she the object blinked out I, I mean I'm just I'm insinuating here. The object mm-hmm. blinked out and she took a time exposure of the area in which the object blinked out. Because I guess if it would if it disappeared, she would have no way of knowing if she was actually photographing the object or not. But right. um, there's a there's a picture of Brenda holding up um one of her time lapsed photographs, and uh it just it, it looks like um looks like a time-lapsed photograph of a light moving around. So, um, right. Is it different colors then? Or like, uh, a, like something yeah, changing yeah, colors? Yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's
0: not, in, not in a straight line or anything? It's like, no, it's like not. It's something that it, was moving around? Okay.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it, it's kind of zigzaggy, and um, it, you'll have to check it out for yourself. It, it does look pretty neat. Um, experts determined that it had made over 100 color changes in the three-second exposure.
0: Oh, it was only a three-second exposure? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um,
1: This incident was only the second time that someone other than an immediate family member had seen Ed photograph a UFO. While this seemed to give credibility to Ed and his photographs, other witnesses later emerged that suggested it was a hoax after all. And this is where things start to look pretty bad for mr walters here. Oh, uh really. one week after the ufo model was discovered and i assume it was um uh after it was brought to the newspaper's attention. a uh, 20-year-old gulf breeze resident tommy smith came forward. tommy smith claimed that ed walters had asked tommy smith to help create the hoax photographs. according to tommy in January of 1988, Ed gave him six photos and told him to take them to the local papers. However, Tommy did not go through with it. For two years, Tommy kept this information secret from everyone except for his parents. However, Tommy said that he came forward because the model would help show that his story was the truth. Ed, mm-hmm. of course, claimed that Tommy was lying. In another, well,
0: I, I got to say, because I did see that. Like the picture of the model next to some of the photos, and it looks pretty similar. Um, uh, and it's,
1: it looks damn near identical. I have to say. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> so that seems weird. Like I could see. Well, uh, I don't know. Even that's kind of weird. Like if you make a model of the object you've been seeing or something. But with his story too, it, um, I don't know. It just seem it does seem a little fishy. I got to say. But I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt yeah.
1: you there. Yeah. No, And Grant once again, no sorrys.
0: Okay. Please, that's, that's just how I roll, man. I'm going to apologize for everything. But... <laughs>
1: um, in another newscast, uh, Mark Curtis helped show how one of the photographs where the UFO appeared to be landing on the road could have been faked. UFO researcher Jerry Black later discovered a suspicious trail of money that led to Ed Walters giving indications of a hoax. However, the UFO sightings and Gulf Breeze have never been completely explained.
0: You know? So, do you have some more information about that trail of money? About
1: the, yeah, there's some there's some money trail stuff uh, that comes up here uh, shortly later, uh, shortly <laughs>
0: in a little okay, bit. Okay, okay,
1: okay. Yeah. Sorry, no problem. Um, so that was the basically the, the sum of the unsolved mysteries uh, segments, which once again you guys should check out. you're going to have to reach out to me first, because like I said. These are not available on the Amazon Prime, and they're not available on the on the YouTube. So,
0: some sensitive uh, sensitive documents you got here, huh? <laughs> do, you think, do you think we'd be able to be able to uh, post these groups or something on, on our Facebook or? Uh,
1: I would. I don't know. I would like to reserve. I would, would, like, to reser- I would like to reserve it for people who are sincerely interested in it. Uh, okay. Just because I don't want to betray any confidences. Okay, okay, so here is an an interesting little article that I came across in the Pensacola News Journal that was published in 2017. So uh, it's written by a gentleman named Troy Moon, and it's titled, Gulf Breeze UFO Phenomenon, 30 Years Later, Sightings Still Divide the Public. Uh, And I quote, for World UFO Day, we take a look back at some of the most buzzed about sightings of unidentified flying objects. Uh, Three decades after a Gulf Breeze building contractor released eerie photos of circular UFOs to local media and set off a year-long sky-watching phenomenon, the so-called, quote, Gulf Breeze sightings have become part of American lore. Uh, even the nation's most legendary ufologist, fictional FBI special agent Fox Mulder from the 1990s hit series X-Files weighed in on the Gulf Breeze sightings. It was revealed the character investigated the Panhandle sightings and wrote an essay on the phenomenon for Omni magazine. Quote, when I first saw the Gulf Breeze photos, I knew they were a hoax. Mulder said in a classic 1994 episode ebe and Mulder was a person who famously always wanted to believe i really don't have a-
0: <laughs> Mulder is like my top authority on
1: yeah <laughs> when, when when fox himself is like then well i don't know it needs to be taken with a grain of salt i guess but um, right. um, back to the article uh, quote, I really don't have a good opinion on whether they're faked or not. There was so much controversy about it, and MUFON went back and forth about it for years, George Williams, state section director of the Florida Florida Mutual UFO Network, said. Uh, but Mulder is not alone in concluding the controversial Walters photographs were a hoax. An I got to say real
0: quick, like MUFON, I am starting to uh, respect their opinion less and less. They just seem like. They believe everything, but, um,
1: look, I know they want to believe man, but, um, you know, I, 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 blind faith does no one in a, is not beneficial to anyone in terms of this stuff and being so quote unquote, open-minded that you're willing to be, um, gullible basically. Yeah, <laughs> gullible, that's what it is. It boils down to gullibility and like, you know, you, no one wants to. I mean, if there's something I was really interested in, and then I found out that it, it turned out to not be true, I'd be bummed out. Um, of course, I'd be devastated, right. depending on how invested I was in it. But um, you know, it's important to be open-minded, but not so open-minded as to be gullible, which I'm afraid Mufon is. Um, well, several times that I've that I've noticed.
0: Yeah, I've never I've heard him supporting like pretty much everything, every case, but uh, I've never seen him come out and say like I don't I don't know I'm just talking here, but uh, just because I haven't seen it doesn't mean it hasn't happened. But which which cases are they skeptical about? You know,
1: which cases are Mufon skeptical about? I mean, yeah, because yeah, they just seem to yeah. Well, I guess they wouldn't promote cases that they've debunked or been skeptical about. I guess they would only promote ones that they're that they're curious about. But yeah.
0: Okay, please continue.
1: Sure. Uh, Craig Myers was the lead reporter on the story for the Pensacola News Journal during the Gulf Breeze sightings and subsequent controversy. He wrote a dozen stories on the sightings and specifically Walters' claims and later wrote a book on the Gulf Breeze sightings. Today, Myers works as an editorial assistant for Middle Tennessee State University, where he still gives the occasional lecture on the Gulf Breeze sightings. Myers is confident the photographs were faked by Walters, who is known as a prankster, according to news reports from the time. Maybe it started as a fun prank, Myers said, but then it just took off and snowballed. He's probably the smartest guy in the room in most of the rooms he walks into. Walters could not be reached for comment, but has always maintained the photographs he took were authentic. He also wrote a book on the topic titled Gulf Breeze Sightings. Hmm. And even now, there are those who believe Walters' story and the validity of his photographs, including u- noted UFO researcher and physicist Bruce Maccabee, who has written numerous research papers and technical papers on the Gulf Breeze sightings. Uh, I think they're real, he said, he meaning Maccabee said of Walters' photographs, dismissing the model found later. I think the model is a hoax, hoax squared. End quote. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know if that he means that like the the model doesn't exist in reality, or if it was. I guess I assume he means it was planted by uh, right. by black or the uh, reporter or something like that. Uh, Even if you dismiss Walters's photographs, Maccabee said there were too many other witnesses who claimed to see UFOs in the Gulf Breeze area, and not all of them could be ignored. You had politicians reporting seeing objects, he said. There were so many sightings that you have to account for unless you believe there was a mass, there was massive collusion on the part of resi- the residents of Gulf Breeze and Pensacola. Right. Think about that, Grant. Well, so, there's a ton of people who are seeing stuff. Do you think that was um, – do you think they all just kind of occurred independently of each other, or do you feel like –
0: no, not necessarily. But I mean, if if it's in the news that there's spaceships flying around, then people might be more apt to be looking up and then seeing strange things and uh, reporting it. So that's kind of why I was asking before. Like you kind of have to look at what they saw on a case by case basis and see if it's all similar or
1: or what's right. going on. You know, and I didn't. I have not read any of the books that have been written about this yet. I just haven't had the time. Um, but I would like to see an actual chronology of the reporting if that's possible like of when they were reported who reported it and the descriptions of the reports um, right. because I know it's over like a six month period um, but it would be interesting just to see it kind of mapped out
0: and also it occurred to me like he's saying it would take a mass massive uh, know, a collusion or whatever but uh, but wouldn't you have to do to, to plant a model and then uh, you know because I was thinking like like how would you do that? Would you pay the people that own the house just to say they found it there? Or um you know, I don't know. I was thinking too, like if the government was trying to cover something up, like that's how they go and do it is they discredit the people that report it, right? So
1: You send Richard Doty in there. Some
0: kind of spook. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah, You send you send the you send the dotster in there. Uh that's the guy from Mirage Man for um, people who haven't listened to our Mirage Men episode yet um,
0: it, it does seem it seems odd to me that people were sending in anonymous photographs too like that seems a little suspicious I guess if if you want to lean I don't know why I mean who knows I guess people might not want to be associated with it and just send in the photo but um, especially along with what the what his friend said that he was uh, offered money to uh, or told to send them in himself but Anyway, let's keep going.
1: Sure. Uh, And I'm continuing from the article. Uh, uh, Denise Boone was living in Gulf Breeze at the time with her daughters, who were then six and eight years old. My daughters and I saw something spinning just barely above the trees at dusk, she recalled. We were on Central Drive off Highway 98 looking west toward the sound side. They saw it first and came inside to get me. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, but I know I saw something in the sky that rotated. It wasn't a plane or a copter. There are countless stories like that. Hundreds of people began watching the skies over Gulf Breeze, most congregating at watch parties at Shoreline Park. Dozens reported sightings, but no one came close to matching the clarity and proximity of Walters' photographs. I really don't have a good opinion on whether they're faked or not said george williams state section director of the florida mutual ufo network in tallahassee and the field investigator who has investigated the gulf breeze sightings extensively there was so much comfort controversy about it and mufon went back and forth about it for years but he made a bottle and buried but he made a model and buried it in the installation that just in the insulation that just doesn't sound right but i don't know
0: <laughs> it does seem a little odd um it seems odd that you would leave it there too, but I, unless he just like hid it from himself or something.
1: But he hid it and then I don't know, forgot it. It seems like a pretty big thing to forget, like uh right. when you're moving. But I don't know. Uh but no matter no matter Walters' photos, Williams said Gulf Breeze and Pensacola remain a UFO hotspot. We still get reports of interesting stuff in the area, he said. And in 1987, you had hundreds of people besides Walters reporting sightings. It's always been an interesting area. So uh, the last article I'm going to delve into here about the Gulf Breeze mania is from the Iron Skeptic. I think I have cited the Iron Skeptic before. Uh-oh. Have yeah, you cited it? I don't. Have, I
0: don't know if I don't know, but is that isn't that the one that we? talked about last week or that was the week before skeptical, last, that, was last skeptical
1: that was skeptical oh, Inquirer magazine that's right. the iron skeptic i think is just a blogger um but uh this is where the money trail kind of starts to come in mm-hmm. um so i this is from an article uh that the iron skeptic wrote that's going to be in the uh show notes as well and i'm kind of just doing bits and pieces of the article so we don't rehash stuff over and over again um so the skeptic
0: seems a bit more uh, authoritarian than the skeptical inquirer. I've got well, to say. he
1: he definitely has a a more austere uh iron like quality to him. Uh yeah. very ferrous, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um so this is from the Iron Skeptic, quote, "The UFO didn't just visit Walter's once." Perhaps they're sentimental types, but for whatever reason, the space aliens paid him numerous visits over the course of the following months and years. The second time Walters spotted a UFO, Walters claimed that he could hear a humming sound, as though two people were having a quiet conversation nearby, and he was just far away enough to be able to, unable to distinguish words. Looking up, he saw a sparkling star that soon fell to Earth and re- revealed to be a spaceship. With the reflexes of an Old West gunfighter, He took a photo of the thing. Here's where the story takes a turn for the absolutely awesome. Up until the night of December 2nd, Walters had no idea what was inside the flying egg. All he knew was that it could hit him with a blue beam that would talk to him and then knock him on his ASS.
0: Well, but wait we haven't heard any of these details before right this is some interesting claims. well
1: apparently uh walters had described it as a flying egg i think uh this must be from walters's book that the iron skeptic has read um okay. which unfortunately i've not got around to reading it um if that but happened it,
0: that's a pretty crazy story
1: yeah but, uh, uh well it sounds I, kind of sounds kind of like uh If that's what he said, it sounds a little bit Travis Walton-y, where a beam comes down and blasts you.
0: That's true. Well, um, yeah, why did he have cameras on him all the time?
1: Well, I guess when he first saw it, um, he was just in his house, and he happened to see it. He was like, oh, bam, there we go. But maybe uh, after he saw it after that, he wanted to just make sure he had his camera on him at all times. Obviously, pre-cell phone era, so it would be... If, unless you're a photographer, it would be kind of weird to have your camera on you all the time, but right. uh, okay. Um, at three a m that <clears throat> excuse me at three a m that night, he was awakened by his dog barking. Going to a pair of French do- French doors, he quote, pulled up the bedroom window shade to see this small shielded being standing just on the other side of the glass, looking in walters's eyes yikes this is behold walters's unintentionally hilarious sketch of the being so we will include a sketch of the being done by mr walters in the show notes uh oh, it's in nice. the it's in the iron skeptics uh web are you looking at it grant or have you yeah, seen I'm it
0: pulling that up right now okay I uh, hilarity whoa <laughs> Looks like an iron skeptic himself, this being.
1: So this is a pretty funny description of it from the iron skeptic. Apparently, the the space aliens, with all their advanced technology, decided to send one of their guys disguised as a knight of the round table to peep into Walter's (laughs) bedroom. (laughs) <laughs> it was about four feet tall and encased in metal plates. Unable to distinguish between the hand and fingers on the thing, Walters was able to see a pair of all-black, terrifying eyes behind a clear visor-like section of his helmet. His sketch has an outline of what he suspected the head to really look like. It is the s- it is the light bulb shape, a la the Andreason abduction. The creature also held a long, thin silver rod in its hand. The creature looked at him for a moment. Turned and sauntered off. Walters, once again displaying nerves of steel, gave chase to the creature, but as soon as he left the safety of his back porch, was once again struck by the blue beam that immobilized him until the creature was safely away. In a field near his house, Walters saw a second blue beam descend, which he suspected was the UFO retrieving the interrupted creature. As soon as the beam dissipated, Walters retrieved his camera and duly photographed the departing spaceship. But why would Walters go through so much trouble to create fake spaceman photos? The answer is, as always, for the money. It's the money. Show me the money. Uh, William Morrow, the head of the publishing company that produced Whitley Stryber's book Communion, is said to have paid out a $200,000 advance for a book that Walters was to write. The National Enquirer ran a series on Walters in March 1990, and though the exact numbers remain unclear, I think it's safe to say that he did not walk away from them empty-pocketed. ABC TV is also said to have paid out $400,000 for rights to a never-produced miniseries. So we know that Walters made at least a cool half-million dollars on his investment of time. So... um, Not bad. Yeah. So I am 98% certain that this is a hoax, that the, um, that the Walters photos were a hoax. If you look at the models, um, they're nearly identical and it's just a more logical explanation. So if you're, if you're wondering why I would even include this as a story, something that is pretty pretty clearly a hoax uh the reason i wanted to discuss this with you grant is because i think it's more fascinating that the hundred the several hundred people uh who claim to have seen things uh throughout the area um i think it's an interesting study in ufo hysteria almost not unlike the UFO cults of the fifties and the sixties where people were just saying, uh, manifestly ridiculous stuff. Like they had been kidnapped and taken to Venus and given a tour of Mercury and that kind of stuff. Um, there's horses on Venus. There's horses on Venus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it sounds ridiculous, but what if it's all true? You know? Yeah. That's our L.E.G. reference for the, for the show guys. Uh, but,
0: there might be more.
1: Um, I think...
0: That's where you lot come in.
1: That's where you lot come in.
0: <laughs> I think we just make the same reference over and over. But um,
1: I feel like um, that people got caught up in this and saying, oh man, this is kind of neat. This is unexplained. I want to be a part of this too. I like being a part of something new and interesting. I like being a part of uh, almost like a club of people who have had weird things happen to them.
0: Well, and- even since doing this podcast, I've been looking up at the sky more. And like I, I kind of mentioned it before, like we were texting each other when we saw Venus one night. And then um, I mean, it does look look strange, you know, not to dismiss everything as just astronomical objects. But um, sure, uh, my wife and I also saw saw Venus another night and I was it's it's so bright. It looks like it's a closer object. And my, eye was even playing tricks on me that it, it looked like it was moving in relation to the building, you know, but it was just, you know how they say, if you like stare at something, it looks like it's moving or whatever. I mm-hmm. never really experienced that before, but, but that definitely happened that night, you know, and I, we were, we were kind of getting freaked out and everything. And then I, I pulled out a, you know, downloaded an app and said, ah, eh, I think there's horses on Venus, you know,
1: there's horses on Venus. Um, but, um yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of just outright dismissing accounts as swamp gas or Venus or um, Mercury or just astronomical um, phenomena all the time. Um, Again, it comes down to the case itself and,
0: and the witness and what they saw. You know, it's hard to just make a, a blanket sp- speculation about you know 100 people saw strange things or whatever
1: sure sure um, and and you know to be to be fair uh it the, this was a large cross-section of people at least uh, ones that were portrayed in the unsolved mystery segments there was a a chemical engineer there was like a, a newspaper editor there were um i think a city council person um what there kind of chemicals
0: was this guy engineering, you know? He's probably... LSD, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting you say that, because that's where I was going with that. No. Yeah. No, I'm um, just kidding. I, I'm, um, no, I'm he's not probably a bright guy, you know, but... Uh,
1: yeah, and there was a, a forensic... Office rocker
0: on chemicals.
1: So. Forensic pathologist, um, all sorts of different people who, who claim to have seen weird stuff. And I can't remember which gentleman it was, but he was saying, like, look... I wasn't into any of this UFO stuff at all until I saw it with my own eyes. And now that I've seen it, I'm like, wow, this is, this is really a thing. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing him, obviously. But um, that's why I implore you guys to reach out to us uh, to check out these episodes. So you can see these testimonials for yourselves.
0: Um, I want to clarify to you. I, I was just kidding. I don't think, I don't hear a chemical engineer and think the guy was, <laughs> was in a, in a lab cooking up psychedelic drugs or, I, you
1: know, I'm what, sure I'm he's like, a, sure, a, I, I'm pretty sure our, our listeners got that, but you know, just okay. in the interest of being eminently uh, clear. Uh, we, we by no means wish to imply that chemical engineer, Art Hufford is cooking LSD. <laughs>
0: so, right, right. I'm sure he's a reputable guy and probably just a scientist, but, uh, not not one of those crazy hippies.
1: Yeah, uh, and also, you know, as always, being the unsolved mysteries fanboy I am, this has some of the coolest '80s synth music, uh, kind of eerie stuff in it that you can possibly <laughs> listen to, uh, especially when you're looking at pictures of purported alien spacecraft. Uh, so, like I said, I mean, just like my my overall analysis of the photographs themselves, uh, it looks like. Um, it looks like he just uh, reflected it in in a pane of glass, which, with the exception of a couple of them, which look like they could um, be an actual object that's obscured behind trees. But I think um, a lot of yeah you, the
0: one the ones on the Iron Skeptic site aren't looking too hot there. You know, um, yeah. those are just bad examples. And his drawing is. I mean, who knows what aliens look like or whatever, what kind of suits they wear,
1: but it is kind of silly looking. Yeah, and I hate to say it, man, Once, but once you introduce like physical aliens coming up and peeping in your window, I, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I just don't – you start to lose credibility with me because it just seems so implausible for um, a creature to be doing some clunky, clandestine operation looking in your window. You'd think they would have more sophisticated – uh, ways of spying on people, like, like using, I don't know, camera. Like I'm sure their camera technology, if they exist, is absolutely like phenomenal. I'm sure <laughs> they have like robotic stuff. They don't need to go tiptoe up to somebody's like windowsill and peer inside. Uh, at, at least I would think that.
0: Yeah, it, it seems strange that they would just be peeping toms and then.
1: Yeah, and then WhatsApp, run up. A- they just take <laughs> off. <Yeah. laughs> they do like the little Jawah noise. They're like. <laughs> just like
0: I mean, go. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You know, who knows what aliens are up to? But um,
1: right, right. And maybe that, maybe that thing in itself was a robot that was like clunkily trying to spy on people.
0: But you know, it's one of those things too where the story just keeps amping up. It sounds like like at first, oh yeah, I just saw this, and then oh this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. Like, right. Do you want to get the book yet? Or like, I got enough to fill up a whole book here. You know. It's, it's also easy in hindsight to go back and be like, Oh, he made all this money with this book. Like, you know, who knows if, if some, you know, if you have a crazy story like this, then, and it really happened to you, then maybe the same thing would happen, but it's.
1: Uh, yeah. And you know, what? to be fair, the iron skeptic is the one coming up with these numbers. I don't, I have not verified that, uh, Ed Walters actually received half a million dollars, but, um, if the iron skeptic is to be believed, um, 500,000 clams is nothing to sneeze at, especially in 1989. Um, so money, uh, money, money the, does a lot of talking
0: Did the iron skeptic, get into the model and everything too, or,
1: yeah, I mean, he just kind of, you know, in his own snarky, humorous way, um, talks about that, but I didn't want to just read his article for verbatim, verbatim. Um, right. you guys can check it out for yourselves. Um, But I think the the best, like I said, um, I'll keep coming back to it, reach out to us, and I will point you in the correct direction uh, to find these, uh, the two Gulf Breeze UFO segments and Unsolved Mysteries, which I repeat are unavailable on the um, Amazon Prime um, Film Rise uh, segments of Unsolved Mysteries.
0: That seems strange. They wouldn't, um, you know, they wouldn't post them if if the mystery got solved or something. You, well, I don't know, or if they lost faith in the mystery or something.
1: But uh, well, I mean, again, uh, there there's been a number of reasons that people speculate about why uh, um, uh, the some episodes were not included, even though they claim to be the complete first season and the complete seventh season and all that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of, sometimes it's because in, especially in the unexplained type ones, it's just, I don't know. The ghost stories didn't really catch on with a lot of people long term, And they actually released, uh, DVDs with, uh, the ghosts and they released, uh, miracles, DVDs, and they released, um, ufo dvds that kind of stuff unsolved mysteries did and it's also i think it's uh just copyright issues too maybe yeah uh,
0: i wonder if like some of these interviewees and stuff they they couldn't get the permission to release it on this format or
1: something yeah like that. and and some of the and some of the non-ufo episodes of unsolved mysteries are pretty gnarly and fam- like that deal with really traumatic things that happen to people and they just don't want them re-aired and i guess out of respect to families who have lost their loved ones they haven't re-aired um they haven't re ones that have been solved uh and even some that haven't been unsolved just because they're they're super super gnarly for lack of a better term so
0: so you're 12 percent thinking it's real though just because of all the witnesses and
1: 12 percent, no two percent
0: oh two you said 98 percent. okay yeah yeah i'm um,
1: thinking it's real And in that case, I would say, uh, if that photograph is real, um, I would say it is some kind of, I'm going to, I'm just going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to swing for the fences on this one. I'm going to say it's reverse engineered technology from Roswell. Yeah. I, I I take I take by your stunned silence that. <laughs> <laughs> well, i looking at got, some got, of these You're not in that it, one.
0: <laughs> I mean, it does kind of look like a model. I I get a little.
1: S- no, 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 I'm I'm just operating under the assumption. Like, just devil's advocate. I'm going to say it's not a model, even though I think it is. Just in this devil's advocate, if it's not a model, it's reverse engineered technology from Roswell. Bam. Okay.
0: Well, I think Bob Lazar said he saw one that looked like a some uh pie tens on top of each other which is kind of what this looks like but yeah it looks kind of like a lamp or something i don't know just um i don't know some of them are pretty interesting though you know but uh i don't know much about faking physical photography um i don't think i'm gonna solve this one
1: yeah, I don't either, man. But uh, we definitely want to hear what all y'all have to think about this.
0: There's, Yeah, there's definitely some compelling evidence against it, though, I think. Um,
1: but yeah, I think it's – I mean, at the very least, like I said, I think uh, we would be remiss not to cover this one. Um, and uh, I think it's interesting uh, people getting caught up in uh, in phenomena like this.
0: Well, it's kind of, yeah. I mean, you hear that 100, 100, 130 people saw an object or something. That's – I can see why it takes the public's imagination. And, I mean, if the books were popular for a while or, you know, you get some good books on these subjects, then people are just going to keep reading them,
1: you know. and like Yeah, and and like I said, another thing that um, I think – Makes it seem like this is just uh, the the public getting caught up in a UFO type of stereotype thing. Um, these were not contemporaneous sightings, unlike the Phoenix Lights. You know, like the Phoenix Lights, hundreds of people saw all that going down at the same time, if not thousands of people. And I think that. Yeah. That in itself is like whoa man like something is actually really happening right now but when you get like you know one day someone says something they saw something and the next day someone goes oh hey i saw that too or the day later someone goes oh yeah i saw that too and by the way i saw this and it just kind of right, I, right. It kind of feeds off itself that's my i mean i might be wrong but that's my that's my that's my take on this case
0: it would be interesting to do like an in-depth uh I don't know, investigation of the reports, like you said, the timeline and see if there were contemporaneous sightings and, um, you know, if other people saw exactly what, what he claimed to see in photograph or, you know what I mean?
1: Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: So I think you should get on it, Tom.
1: Okay. I'm gonna go track him down. <laughs> Ed Walter's <laughs> I'm coming for you. But,
0: uh, okay. That was interesting. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm feeling pretty skeptical the way all the information was presented, obviously. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and to be fair, I have not read Mr. Walters' book. Um, but uh, just just looking at the photographic evidence, i gotta I got to lean towards a strong strong likelihood of uh, hoax on Walters' part and uh, wishful thinking or misidentification on the rest of the public.
0: Well, i got one more question for you. Is the moon actually
1: made of cheese? (laughs) (laughs) When will moon, when will man (laughs) walk on the sun?
0: (laughs) What do you say to those that say the moon don't actually exist?
1: I don't think people are saying it doesn't exist. (laughs) I think there are people who don't think we went there and we went there. (laughs) Well, I
0: I could try why and uh,
1: go, Why doesn't man go to the sun in winter time when the moon when the sun is cold? <laughs> totally butchering the delivery on this guy. I'm exhausted today. But uh, check
0: out Ali G's uh, interview with Neil Armstrong. It's
1: Buzz Aldrin.
0: Or Buzz Aldrin. Yeah, yeah.
1: There is no interview with Neil Armstrong.
0: I'm sounding like Ali G here. here. Oh God. With uh, with, uh, with Buzz Lightyear as he puts it. <clears throat>
1: What I'd would, uh, sit here with my main man Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. Big up yourself.
0: So funny. Anyway, all right. Yeah, I yeah. guess I guess so well, I, since we're devolving into Ali G here, we should we should wrap it up. Any, right. Anything more to add on? Button this one up, or
1: i not, nothing on this one. But I always, as always, I got to give my my um, my Tom hello to everybody. This is Tom, and I uh, I just want to thank you guys so so much for listening to us. Uh, we really. Enjoy hearing your um, uh, responses and your heartfelt uh, uh, appreciative letters. And I just hope everyone's doing well during this time of COVID. And I'm just going to come right out and say it. You know, human lives are not uh, political. And I think that um, what's happening in the United States with George Floyd right now, uh, what happened to George Floyd was inexcusable, and uh, Black Lives Matter. That's I'm just going to come right out and say it. I have no uh, compunction saying Black Lives Matter. I believe Black Lives uh, more than matter. Black lives are important. They're precious, and uh, they're to be protected at all costs. And yeah, uh, I don't think it's a hard. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, and it's. Um, you know, if there's a lot of people shouting all lives matter and everything. And that is to me is just completely misses the point. And, um, I just want to express my, my support for my support, love and admiration for the, for the black community these days, especially, uh, in their, you know, in this gruesome time that we're in, in the United States right now. So that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I want to say. I mean, uh,
0: black lives matter should not be a hard, uh, idea to embrace. I mean, that's basically what you're saying is all lives matter. I mean, what do you want to call it? Black lives matter too. I mean, that's what they mean by that, you know? Yeah. Um,
1: and, and I'm through trying to explain it to people. If you don't get it, you don't get it. So, um, if you're, if you are for some reason upset by the phrase black lives matter, then I want, I hope you do some serious soul searching and, um, you
0: know yeah if you think that's a conf- controversial statement then you're bringing something to the table <laughs> you know I mean or you just don't think black lives matter I guess but uh, yeah
1: so that's uh, like I said I mean this is the UFO podcast but again there's so much happening in the world right now in 2020 and I would be remiss if I did not um, mention um, my unending uh, love and support for our um, black brothers and sisters. Out there. Amen. So, anyway, and uh, to all you beloved listeners, we thank you, and uh, uh, we love you guys. And please keep uh, contacting us and giving us your messages. Uh, we love hearing from you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I second that, and uh, my love goes out to you guys. Bye.
1: Bye.